All right, guys. So uh, I am so excited for part two. So as you already know, in part one, we talked about nationalism. We talked about what does Blackness mean, right? Um, especially in different parts um, of the Caribbean, from the Dominican Republic to Haiti to Trinidad. Uh, what does it mean to be Black? And what does it mean to come into your Blackness when nobody around you in your family, even though they look like us, right? They're not claiming to be Black. What does that look like? So for part two, I'm really excited because what we're going to talk about is not only dismantling, because again, we have to decolonize, we have to dismantle, we have to unlearn, we have to do all of these things. But what are the true feelings that people have towards being Black uh, and discussing that, especially within their families? Are you, what are you taught uh, in your home and things like that? So I'm actually, because this is such a good discussion, I feel like I'm going to take the back seat a little bit. Um, and what we've learned, especially in part one, is that Black people are not a monolith. And I'm enjoying these conversations because we get to say, I don't feel that way, or I do feel that way, or whatever it is, because we're all different. And we're all on, uh, like Zandra said, this racial identity spectrum where we are in different places, and that's okay. So I am really excited uh, to keep this discussion going. So when y'all don't hear from me, don't worry about me, because I'm listening and learning too, okay? Joy and bootstraps, the podcast that you really need. Helping my black community, good vibes, good energy. Black joy and bootstraps, talk financial literacy, love and education. Want to see my people elevated? Yeah. We've talked a lot um, about a lot of things. I hope y'all were able to follow because it was good. But I do want to talk about the dismantling piece, right? Of like a lot of the things that we've learned because. Um, as as a uh, a black american as an african american woman again i can't keep saying this my experience with africans were they were the kids that were in dual credit and ap classes and they their circles were different um from the black americans the, Af the africans were right um and so there was a rift there was a divide and it was just kind of uncomfortable and so now i want to know because what helped me was literally going to college, going to this uh, PWI, this predominantly white institution where you didn't have a choice. You walked around, you looked around and you say, yo, you black, I don't care what kind of black, we black, right? Because we went to a school that was 90%. Um, Gianfranco, Danya and I, we went to a school that was 90% white. Um, and so when we got there, it was like, yo, we got to link up, right? We all joined, we, uh, many of us were members of the African Heritage Association, um, we realized that it would we, there was more alike than divided us, right? So let's talk about this dismantling piece. What was it, um, Gianfranco, that sent you on this like, wait, I am black. Like, what was the dismantling piece for you? I mean, I know it's a journey. It's not like you can go, there was this night that I was at home alone. And, but like, what, what was it that you felt um, kind of sent you on this journey of dismantling what it is that you'd grown up with? I mean, yeah, honestly, it's it's one of those things. It's, it's as revelatory as anything else. You know, I mean, I think like one can consider their experience, you know, and look at their skin color. And when you're plunged into um, an environment that is, you know, more than 90 percent, I think, frankly, mm -hmm. um, something else, something very different than what you are. Um, you start to consider what the ramifications of what privilege might look like on a broader scale, on a global level, 
Um, and, and then you go like, where do I stand on that? You know, like if I let my hair grow out a little bit and that's like one thing, my mom would try to control that. Like, crazy she'd be like we got to get your haircut immediately you're starting to get little ridges the waves are coming now look in at you. Like, now look curls at are starting you. to like yeah exactly um and so i i think that those those are the moments where you you ask the question um you know in a way that feels really peripheral uh, it's not exactly direct um but eventually you start to question kind of the antics of privilege versus oppression and where you stand on that spectrum. And then you start to go, shoot, like I'm here and I've got better than a whole lot of people in this world. But that don't mean that I've got the same level of privilege as 90 whatever percent of the people that are here in this community. And I think it's it's also important because sometimes when we talk about privileges, we forget that no matter what we are, uh, what no matter what ethnicity, what sex, we still have privileges within that. Like we all still own privilege, but there is a truth to in America who has the most privilege, right? That's not even a question on this panel anyway. Um, who who has the most privilege? So, but but sorry, it, it just like in a parenthetical though, I just want to pop in there. I know we're like talking this ninety three percent like community that we're in. At the end of the day, the thing that you go back to. Right. Like anything in life, you know, like you, you ask me some of my favorite movies, I'm going to tell you what my favorite movies are. And they're going to be some old, some old movies that I remember from when I was a kid. And that's the thing that I go back to is like, hey, my experience growing up was a mix of, you know, bachata and eating platano maduro and, you know, arroy guandule and all these things. But also it was equally comforting to listen to hip hop to be connecting with my people that were also black and of color. A lot of times that was also in and of itself, a little bit of a spectrum um, on, in turn, on the ethnic scale. Um, so, you know, I, that um, at some point you go, this is what I know. Mm -hmm. This must be what I am, right? And right. I love that. Um, to me, the, the more interesting question is what if, what if you are raised your whole life in a community that is 99% something else? And, and then you have to ask this other question, right? Like, this is what I know. So am I not this? You know, like, I clearly do not look like them. That to me is a more interesting question. We come from communities that like, they, they, they cultivated blackness in us, mm. right? So regardless of the fact that like maybe my family might have an idea and a culture behind the door and I might go somewhere that looks very different and therefore I feel a little more privileged. But at the end of the day, what's cultivated in me is the culture of my community and my community was black. Mm. And even if you don't have that community, like, you know, you, you go, I think that, that choosing to understand that your development of blackness is a spectrum means that you go seeking for it when you don't have access to it, right? And so I think a good example of that is like President Barack Obama, right? He was raised in Hawaii by white people. We know that President Obama can code switch. That man went to Harvard. That means he intentionally learned to pick up Afri African-American vernacular English at some point in his life. I imagine Michelle probably has something to do with that. Uh, and so, if he could do that as an adult and go learn the dialect, then that means it, it is accessible to all of us that want it. It's a matter of 
how we approach that access, right? So are we gonna be visitors in it or are we going to seek it because it is something of ours to claim? And I think that gets really hard. And, and I'm I, I gonna just go touch back a little bit on this because I do understand like, there are so many things that we're proud of and we don't know where the pride comes from, but stripping it feels, leaves us very vulnerable. If I were to say to um, Jean-Franco or Danya, like at the end of the day, your language is just the language of the oppressor, right? And so there's nothing to be proud of about it. That's gonna feel really uncomfortable because there's so much of their culture, so much of their music, so much of their, their um, their way of living and their way of life and things that are happy and traditional and positive for them that come from that. And so I don't want to say that decolonization means that we leave ourselves bare, that we, we, that we have to throw away anything that we, um, that we founded in oppression, but it is means that we have to acknowledge that when we have a certain type of pride in them, that then we behave a certain way. That could look like people who say, oh, you, oh, I, you don't speak real Spanish or you, you didn't raise you, oh, you, you came to America, you didn't teach your kids Spanish. You know, like that looks like that. And, and at the end of the day, what we're, what we're saying is that when I recognize that there's some sort of, um, there's a positive here, but I have to make sure I don't perpetuate the negative here. And we realize that there is a dichotomy. At the end of the day, any of us, whether it's me and Felicia being proud of the English language or y'all being proud of your language, that's that's pride in something that we're not even supposed to have that language, right? At the end of the day, that's not a language we're, we're even supposed to speak. We're supposed to speak in Yoruba. We're supposed to speak in Swahili. We're not even supposed to be speaking these languages. And so what does the pride, what does the loyalty in it lead us to do? It's the thing it leads us to do that we just, that we decolonize, not necessarily uh -huh. the positive thing. Go ahead. Yes. No, no, I, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. I, I'm going to say on the opposite end of this little kind of, conversation this dialogue here is very important that you know we might be putting some of these things under the microscope which we ought to we should be analyzing all of these things but at the same time if in the end in the analysis you're you're finding that there is survival i mean that's that that's precisely what i find the more that i like discover and decolonize in my thread of ancestry the more that i find there is survival the way that like the Dominicans chew their Spanish, right? The way that we masticate, you know, and it comes out, that flow, that is not colonizer. It is their language, but there is survival in the way that we speak it. There is blackness in the way that we speak it, right? And that's what There's I'm saying is going on to both sides, right? So it's not to throw everything away, but to recognize that like, if our pride in our language leads us to, to like uh, look down on somebody who can't speak Spanish to their grandmother, that's the negative end of that pride at the end of the day, yeah. right? We're, we're like, why didn't you teach your kids this language? Because now they need a translator to speak to their own grandmother. As opposed to looking at that, is that the person's fault or is that oppression's fault? The fact that their grandmother and them speak two different languages, why are we vilifying the, the victims of colonization as opposed to recognizing that that issue in our families is a direct result 
of oppression and colonization. How we treat that we have to experience that, we will be more graceful with each other. We will have much more softness, much more understanding with one another if we recognize that the issue of a grandchild and a grandparent speaking two different languages is a direct result of our oppression as opposed to somebody going to America and not teaching their kid Spanish or French or Creole or, or all these other languages. How we talk to each other about that will absolutely change when we recognize that that problem exists not because the, the people that immigrated didn't teach their kids Spanish. It exists because of, of, of the Atlantic Holocaust trade, not because we, we went to America and forgot about who we are. But also, if you are first generation yeah. and past that, and you don't teach your children how to speak one of them languages, that belong to your ancestors. And I'm not talking the colonizer, I'm talking the cultural, you know, kind of like tribal respect that should be in that, the, 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 the spirit of the African ancestry. And you're doing your family a disservice. You know, I'm gonna say that. Period. I'm a Period. With our upbringing, we had a grandma or grandpa in the house. So it was easy to kind of have that language come in in a culture because my grandma was there. But for us, right. I think we're a bit more separated now. Like I'm far from home. We all are. Um, and so I, my kids are hardly going to really understand the Haitian language, but I've been teaching them, you know, little bits and pieces, but it is difficult, like you said. But we did have that privilege of having other generations in, in our home. Yeah. Right. So, so somebody looked at you and said, why don't your kids speak perfect French Creole? To me, nobody has the business, like, that's just, that's an unfair thing. Like, I know you want it in your home, right? So you're going to try you're, you're going to try real hard to make sure your kids can do it. But if in some way you fall short, are, are other uh, Haitians who were able to do it supposed to look at you and go, your kids ain't really uh, real mm -hmm. Haitians because they can't well, see that. And they would say that. Those are the portions that I'm saying, like, let's take a look at what that's where I say let's dismantle because that's the, the breaking that down is the only way that we'll unify as black people is like to, to recognize like I moved therefore I don't I cannot put my kids in the same situations that I was in to pick up the language it gives yourself grace right you're not a lapsed Haitian you're not a worse Haitian because you don't have at literal access to the things then the way you give yourself grace in that is that you understand I do not literally have access to things my parents had to in, in order to to help me learn the language the way they do. And then somebody else should not look at you and say, well, you're not as Haitian because your kids don't speak uh, French Creole the way that somebody who maybe stayed in Boston can can do that. Right. I, I, and I, I did want to go back. Oh, sorry. Hold on, hold on. Donya, go. Oh, I was going to go back to Felicia's question, kind of going back to the dismantling and as a community, because I think we're touching base on a personal growth to um, dismantle this whole ideology of like nationals, nationalism and all that stuff. But as a community, I feel like we have to drop all like, like I'm just I'm just imagining like an invisible border, like Trini, Jamaican, Dominican, all this stuff. We have to drop it all, even when it comes to African countries too, because like you mentioned in AHA, we were going great for a long time, but after you left, uh, you know, Marvelous, she was elected as the president of AHA and all hell went loose. We were in one of the rooms for hours because they said she did not, deserved to be president because she was an African. It, 
I was shocked because she's Haitian. Um, and so it was just like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like we're all black and in a 95% white, you know, university, like what are we doing with this conversation here? So I feel like we, like Sandra said, we're holding on tight to these countries, which is great, but it's like not doing us any good, especially when we're trying to get together in a place where you walk down the street, we all look the same to these white people. Like it doesn't make any sense. So I think just dropping down everything is what makes us move forward. And it also goes down to small little, little sects. Like in Ethiopia, um, Tom's tribe is like under kind of like a, um, they're just getting murdered left and right. So it's like, even just like small little areas, these little pockets, it's like, you guys are all Ethiopian, what's going on? So like, it's bigger than just these islands and stuff. It goes down to just this holding on tight to like a border of like this little piece of land that you own. We need to drop it all in order to move forward, honestly. I appreciate that. Also, just for those who are listening, AHA is African Heritage Association. Um, and Tom is her Ethiopian husband. So <laughs> those two oh, things are important for people who don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so Kenya, this is like going completely back because um, we've moved forward, we've moved back, we've done. I, I really loved this, but I did want to ask one question. Will your kids be African-American? Will they consider themselves? Will you consider them? Are they African-American? Uh, they're Haitian-American. Haitian-American. <laughs> Still Haitian. Yes. And um, it's crazy because... Uh, Tom has she, a top she that drop everything and then she's like they're Haitian. I mean even in this <laughs> house I mean it's just the cult the, everything is still going like I'm still teaching the language I'm doing the best that I can but like it just goes back to the practices and the cultures it's still living and breathing in this home I mean well what else are they I mean I get they are born in America great but they are Haitian and Ethiopian and it's crazy because Tom hasn't taught them nothing Ethiopian so I'm like these kids are Haitian period I'm sorry like like it's their practices and everything I mean it's like when they get older I feel like it's, it'll be kind of confusing because you have someone from Ethiopia one person from Haiti and you have other people saying you're supposed to be African-American it might be a bit confusing honestly I wasn't confused Don't you think? I'm Trinidad. I mean, for them, African American. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in. But a with two state. different, two different African, you can say two different African countries. I mean, because you're just Trinidadian American, you know, but Ethiopian so, so two, and Haitian. So two black. I'm two black cultures. I'm Trinidadian I'm a, I'm a, and I'm African American. I'm gonna step in. I'm gonna step in right quick. Um, I know. I know what we're all saying. What are we? I saying? know what we're all saying. Tell us. So. Yeah, no. Zandra Come in and she, mansplain and tell us what we're saying, John Sanders. <laughs> I'm just like, why are you doing it like yeah, that? Yeah, let me hold on. Let me I'm let me lug around my madness. Let me just lug it around, throw it <laughs> all around this dialogue. <laughs> no, He's um, like, I understand what you women are saying. Let me explain to you <laughs> what it is that you all no, are no. saying. This is this is more this is more an essence of clarification. I'm going <laughs> okay, Xander, What I'm hearing you say is <laughs> come on, come on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Fix that. What I'm hearing Zander <laughs> say right now is, look, in order for us to unify as as black people, we have to we have to decidedly say that we are all African American. No, in no, no. This we have to say we're all African American. We it's have to African? say we are black, inclusive of everything that we're taking in. So I'm saying, if you teach your children to be black Haitians, but not black. Black people who are Haitian, who are African-American, who are Ethiopian, that we are still saying that when your child goes and picks up colloquialism, when they're listening to hip hop, 
what is that not their culture too you you're still you're still not allowing them to take it into their blackness so i'm saying i would say that i am trinidadian i am uh african american i am black i am black inclusive of those things our blackness should not require us to exclude any of the mm. other things that we are is what i is what i'm saying um i understand that we might know more of one culture because of who we got raised with in the same way that like uh john franco's blackness is mostly african american because his blackness uh was not from his Dominican parents. So is he not, is it, is, is he not still a black Dominican and a black African-American? I mean, most of his, what I'm hearing him say is most of the blackness that he learned is in this country because his parents themselves did not ident identify. He didn't get his black part from the Dominican. He got the Dominican blackness, but he, they're not even calling it blackness, right? He got his Dominicanness from them, but his blackness, it sounds like, was in this country. So so as an African American when I hear him say well I'm just still Dominican I go well if we helped you develop you said it's the community that helped that why are you still refusing to claim us. That's what that's mm -hmm. what I hear because claiming us does not take away from your Dominicanness. Yeah, I think I think we I, I mean that. again some, I I I hella hear this. Uh, I think this is just us clinging to semantics because at the end of the day, it's an ethnic identity that we're, we're holding on to. But now feeling like I understand this, I can say I am black inclusive. But if I'm going to say something to somebody, you know, I don't know that I'm going to roll out with like unfurling yeah. this mean old sentence that I am black inclusive Dominican American. You know, I'm probably still going to say I'm Afro Dominican or I'm, I'm Dominican American. Those are the things that I've clung to my whole life, but that does not mean that I'm no longer black inclusive. Black, that's the only thing, that's the only part I'm curious, because as a black person, if I'm trying to find out where you're from and, and, and I can't see you, if you say to me, I'm Dominican American, that's not synonymous with black because there are white- It Dominicans. absolutely is. I think, that, I think the American because, part oh, is synonymous part with black. I, aren't there white Dominicans? Uh, yeah, but they, those white Dominicans, you best are believe are probably really black. So, you know what I'm saying? Like the Dominican Republic, unlike a place like Puerto Rico is 90 something percent black. And that blackness is not gonna be like always on the skin. It's gonna be in their blood. Like my son, right. you, know, you could you look at him, you're like, you're like, he's a little mixed boy, but that boy is 100% Dominican. So we know that he's out. Oh, that's, that's my confusion because because I'm not from the Dominican. I'm not from the DR. So if you if you don't if you saying you're Dominican now, I know Haiti doesn't have other races like, OK, that's not true. Yes, there are people of other races who have immigrated to Haiti. But like it, it's like somebody saying they're African. If they said they're African, I don't like I don't think about are you a white South African? Right. Like I don't, that doesn't cross my mind because they're and they just are from Africa. But I'm saying, are, are there not Dominicans who are white Dominicans? Like, is not not a thing in the DR? That's what I'm trying to understand. I, I'm, saying that, I, I'm saying that that thing that we're saying that exists over there is the same thing that exists over here, right? Except the difference is in the Dominican Republic, it's mostly Afro. And I'm saying not even by like a small margin. It's 90% Afro over there. 
That so means when that I meet a white Dominican, like, I've met white Dominicans. So correct, and they're pro- they're probably still I, Afro. I mean, they probably got a drop in them, but I'm saying like I've also met one like drop rule. This, okay. So l- listen, <laughs> exactly, it's, it's the like, opposite okay, one drop rule now. Look, my next door neighbor could come over with her ancestry DNA. She's Caucasian, Anglo-Saxon, somewhere from England and Scotland, right? She sure. can come over there and show me a, a DNA test to say that she's now 10% black. That lady cannot tell me that she's black. Like, I don't care. That's the major like, difference, though. Are there not that's... white Dominicans? Correct. I'm understanding what you're saying. Yeah. The, at the end of the day, People like my mother, my grandfather, my grandmother, who are all much lighter than I am by several yeah. grades. And most of the Dominican Republic, I mean, like, this is when you do skin. ancestry. I'm not talking about melanin, it's like phenotype. Sure. I'm like, yeah, we, we, we don't have to talk about phenotype or melanin or anything like that. Okay. There are people that are lighter over there, mel- melanated, right? They're just lighter skin, but 90%, black. and this is, I mean, this is really the number here that I'm trying to underscore. Yeah. If 90% of the country is Afro, that means that very few people that you uh, okay. meet that are Dominican that, are That's what white. I'm trying to understand about the DR. Right. Okay. So, like... I'm going to just drop stats here, okay? Yes. Because I looked very much into this, d- deeply into this. Now Puerto I'm excited because I'm, like, learning about yeah, Great. DR. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for everybody here, too. I, I'm excited for the Dominicans that listen to this. The Dominicans yeah. are like, oh, He's shit. Like, everybody like, you black. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so this, this is this is what I say all the time. I say the, uh, Puerto Rico and these are real stats. Puerto Rico is 60 percent Afro, which okay. means that the, the, the what we decide to portray from Puerto Rico happens to be mostly white. And yet still the majority is Afro. OK, Cuba is 80 percent Afro. 80 percent. That means that 20 percent of Cuba is what we would consider white, which means that most of the people that you meet that are Cuban are Afro. And the Dominican Republic, overwhelmingly, beyond all of the other ones, because it was the first stop on that middle passage, is 90% Afro. Which is why Haiti is as black as it is, because we are the same country. We are the same people colonized by two groups. So this is the last thing I'm going to say. Um, well, and then we can, th- this is the last thing I'm going to say, really. Um, Gianfranco, what do you say? Um, because the truth is to thrust Blackness upon someone who does not want to say that they are Black is difficult. Like, that is a difficult conversation. It could be very aggressive. It could be very, like, harmful. I don't know what other thing I can say, but what do you say? How are you, as a Dominican, educating other Dominicans to say, hey, we're Black? I, I walk them through what happened economically, econom, economically um, okay. in, in the country, because to understand what happened there, you cannot approach it from, from like a place of aggression. There are both Dominicans and Haitians that when they're in a, in a room with other Dominicans, their their intensity and intention is to go, you guys are, you know, xenophobic and racist towards the Haitian community and, and therefore towards blackness. Well, let's back up here. A lot of things happened in history. I'm not saying that this is excusable. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it, it's very much kind of a situation where when, when Haiti was freed, all of a sudden, kind of like what Zandra was saying, she was very right on the money. I was excited when she said it. There was a ton of stuff that was being sent out. 
all around that was saying, yo, if you guys try to do this, you won't even be able to trade with other countries. And that means you're not gonna have goods. And if you don't have goods, you're not gonna be able to play this universal global game of power. And power at that time, like it is now, like it was before, has been mostly defined by whiteness. So what happens to a country, right? Whose mental state is, if we decide to do what this other country did, then the world will hold us accountable and we will be punished for it. What do you do? Do you decide to be black all of a sudden? Do you decide to say like, yeah, we are truly black or do you push back? Do you say, this is the psychology of this, right? This is what oppression is. So it's very important to look at that from that position. Now, the things that might happen around that can be really terrible. The Parsley Massacre, an awful event that was on, on a Nazi level to me, okay? Um, where many Haitians were, were killed, murdered in this gen genocidal fashion to try to erase blackness and what they thought was maybe possible in the Dominican Republic. But, it, but it's impossible because it's, we are rooted in blackness. It's 90% in our system and all of us. I feel like one thing that I, I have loved about this discussion today is that we're all at different places um, and we're all learning what that means. What does it mean to be black? What is nationalism? What is xenophobia? What is, what is colorism? What, um, you know, all of these different things. And I feel like this is so accurate of blackness. Like, and I want to just sit in that for a second because I feel like um, when you bring people on a panel, you want everybody that's at the same, you want everybody to agree or else it's uncomfortable, you know, but I like this. I like that we are like, well, I don't believe that's nationalism. I'm saying I'm Haitian, right? And Zandra's like, but yo, it is nationalism and you need to, like, we got to <laughs> figure this out. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I love that because this is blackness, right? Like we are all different and we do all believe differently. But at the end of the day, what I want us to understand is that regardless of ethnicity, regardless of nationality, that we are black, right? And that we are trying to decolonize and dismantle and we are trying to all rid ourselves of white supremacy and we're all on that spectrum um, of decolonization, right? Um, I This has been insightful. Like, I just can't even say how insightful it's been. Um, I'm going to go to Danya and then I'm going to wrap it up. But I just, y'all have been awesome. Oh, just kidding. Gianfranco also. Let me just go. <laughs> Final thoughts for everybody. Final thoughts. <laughs> Danya. I did, I did want to answer that question over again on what I would identify like my children as, because actually Abby asked me that one. She said, hey, um, I eat Haitian food, so I'm Haitian. I'm like, and then Tom kind of chimed in like, no, you're Ethiopian. And she's like, well, what am I? And I, we honestly just said, you're African. We just, we closed the book, that was it. So you just identify yourself as African. And she's been doing that for a while now because she, and she kind of chimes in, she listens to people's conversations. She's like, they're not speaking English. I'm like, you had to speak in Spanish. So she understands things that are different. And even in the house, she's like, daddy's listening to something different than where we are. I'm like, well, that's Ethiopian music. So I'm like, listen, Baby girl, you're African. Let's just put it all in. You're black. You're African. 
that's it. So that that's what we've been doing now. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I have been clinging tight on my Haitian <laughs> pride. So yeah, but she's African for sure. And I don't think that, I mean, I don't think Xandra's saying, girl, rid yourself of being Haitian. Yeah. That's not, we, we have spent right. two hours here, you know, <laughs> explaining that. And I don't think that's what it is. Take everything that is good. Take everything that you love from that culture, from our cultures, keep that as well as decolonize, right? Like we have to be able to dismantle while saying, but this food is ours. I don't care. Y'all stole all them spices, but we using them though right but we're, we're teaching y'all how to fry them though we're teaching you know whatever it is keep all the good things from those cultures because we love it that's still who we are um franco Gianfranco, what did you want to say yeah just you know i mean kind of in the vein and spirit of all this um there's this really interesting phrase in the dominican republic and uh i i, I love it and i mean it speaks to again that population statistically but also just worldwide that Pan-African experience, you know, like I feel very empowered by the term Afro, very empowered by it. Um, and that that phrase is you're you're black behind the ears. So you you could look you could look white, you know, you could look real tan. You know, you, my son looked like that. He's just a real golden boy with brown hair. Um, but he black behind the ears. You know, that blackness is going to show somewhere. It's yeah. gonna show somewhere, and that's that's a that's a real powerful Dominican phrase um, that I I cling to very very tightly, um, and it you know it says that Domin Dominicans even acknowledge it. They know that they are black behind the ear, right? I'm black and black, black I'm black I'm black, right? So um, we get that. I just want to thank y'all today. Like I cannot. I just can't say thank you enough because this is a discussion that has to continue to keep going. Like this is the beginning of many conversations and actually we are in the middle. So it's not like my podcast is the beginning of this conversation before my podcast it is. Um, but for us as a people, this is an ongoing discussion as to what this looks like because we're dealing with centuries of oppression and centuries of um, colonialism and colonization and all of these things that we have to unlearn, right? Um, and so I just want to say thank y'all. Um, we Black, we all Black. We're going to continue to learn what that means. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Everybody putting up the prison. That's so funny. Um, but I, I just need you guys to know that I appreciate you coming on today and your expertise. Um, I just love y'all so much. And y'all just continue to impress me with everything that y'all do. Um, listen, let me stop because y'all know I, I this would be a whole other hour, me just thanking y'all and telling y'all how great y'all are. So thank you so much for coming on today, y'all. Thank you. Hey guys, you've just listened to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps with your host Felicia Jimenez and I have a couple things I need you to do. One, I need you to subscribe right here, right now, wherever you're listening to me so that you never miss an episode in the future. The second thing I need you to do is follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Black Joy and Bootstrap so that you can receive all of our content, not just our podcast episodes, okay? Uh, as you already know, our goal is to each one teach one, and we cannot do that without you. So thank you guys so much. Till next time. Mm -hmm.